0: In late February 2020, I had a CT scan and it came back just fine. No growth or anything to be concerned about. I also had an echocardiogram to check out my heart and that was good too. My heart overall is excellent and hasn't stopped me from doing anything, but I am a bit slower, which is a frustrating reality to accept at the moment. Cancer was only a speed bump for me. And what I want most is to change the narrative around cancer. Yes, yes. It's deadly and it takes so, so many lives, but it also spits even more out onto the other side. There is a life after cancer. I always believed it, and I truly believe that as more people realize this, more people will go into their battle with cancer optimistic and wholeheartedly believing they will live their life once again with joy. While cancer challenged me physically and emotionally, I'm lucky enough to have walked away unscathed and with the ability to hit the ground running towards the things that I love.
1: Welcome to the Roaming the Earth podcast. I am your host, Drea Castro, and I am here with Alec Sills trosh Alec's love for the outdoors stems from his family. At a very young age, he was introduced into the world of adventure. From being dragged kicking and screaming as a kid, to now waking up before sunrise or staying up through the night to snag the perfect shot. He combines adventure, travel, and photography to inspire others to enjoy mother nature as much as he does. In November of 2018, he was diagnosed with gray zone lymphoma, but it didn't stop him from enjoying the adventures of the outdoors. Through treatment, he was able to appreciate and enjoy daily activities. In April of 2019, Alec was declared cancer free. So on October, July 4th, 2019, he summited Mount Whitney in a day. He also hiked the Rim to Rim Canyon, also in one day, and explored the backcountry of Wyoming. And the adventures continue. At 28, he's only been taking photos for two years, but enjoys the perspective it has brought to his life and the ability to document the wonders of the world. Thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. I'm so excited to meet you and to get to know you and to hear about your journey.
0: Yeah, I am uh, super excited to be here.
1: Tell me about that excerpt in the very beginning that we read and talk about your journey thus far.
0: So it was a weird experience. So I've always been healthy. I've never had any other like health issues other than like a broken foot or like a broken arm when i began training for a marathon two years ago right around right around now i just realized that like i just wasn't able to run more than a a mile and i've done half marathons before and just like this is just the weirdest thing so like i thought oh maybe i have pneumonia or something because my lungs it was just a weird like a whole breathing thing skipping through a bunch of doctors visits they're like you have a massive tumor about the size of my fist in my chest wow and we believe it's
1: cancerous
0: and i'm 26 and and a half in phenomenal shape even with this stupid thing like i had gone backpacking a week before and they are like, yeah, like, but we can't do surgery because it's around your heart and like all of your vessels. So, so you're going to have to go through treatment. We're like, okay, we don't know what, what that means. Like, what does, what is treatment? I had six treatments every three weeks in the winter and spring of 2018. 2019. Just really tried to stay optimistic uh, that everything would really work out. Every scan that I had through the treatment was always a better one than the one before. About six months later, uh, April of 2019, two days before my 27th birthday, I found out that I in remission and cancer-free. I still don't really know like what the exact word is because you never technically cancer free because it could always potentially come back but if you want to say cancer free i had had a lot of plans for 2019 and it was a little bit frustrating that i didn't know if those plans would develop i know that is a unique mindset because like i was technically battling death i never really felt that i was going to die i was relatively healthy i had the mayo clinic behind me so like i was very grateful and aware that like my cancer circumstances are not what everyone else is like like i caught mine super early if i wasn't trying to run or do like like lead a active lifestyle i don't know if i would have caught it a few months in it might have been four months and it might have spread to more places after i got the all clear i just kind of went on a blitzkrieg of adventure i was like i can do this or like i'm allowed to do this i guess and i'm gonna just hope that i'm that i'm able to (laughs) so uh i asked a few friends if they wanted to do rim to rim of the grand canyon and they were like how many days and i was like one and they're like okay (laughs) And then a few months later, I did Whitney, and then I did the the Wyoming backpacking trip. And then I went to Iceland with four close friends. So it was very much a kind of celebration of life, I guess you could say, maybe present the mindset that I'm okay to others, while also probably trying to tell myself that I'm still okay, because the mindset of like, is it going to come back is a really hard one to overcome. And I'm still having struggles with that. Just, just like, oh, like, I feel a little bit more exhausted after that run. Is it just because like I had a more active day or is it maybe because it's going to come back? It's, it's very, is a struggle every day.
1: Well, I'm I'm glad that you are in remission and Thanks. I'm sending you all of the positivity and healing powers of the universe. Well, thank you. It's interesting because, you know, I just can't believe that with everything that's happened to you that you just up and went and that you just decided that you weren't going to let that kind of affect you and affect your mindset. I know you said that it's hard and that you had a struggle, but at the same time, you have a lot of endurance. I think from my perspective, you weren't unaffected because... Obviously, everyone gets affected, but you have a lot of grit to be able to go. To be able yeah. <laughs> to climb Mount Whitney, people spend months and months and months to train and you came from all of that and in four months decided that you were going to go climb mm-hmm. the highest mountain in the lower 48 states. That's pretty yeah, cool. I kind of, and uh, do the I kind ring, of like to compare myself
0: cool. not to Alex Hondold, but to how Alex Hondold doesn't have that little part in his uh, brain about being afraid, I kind of don't have that for like saying no and for like optimism. It's just like all optimism. Let's just go. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> Which I love, by the way. And I'm in the same boat where it's like, no, it's totally fine. Let's just do it. Do you primarily travel within the country or do you travel to other countries too? Uh,
0: normally just in the U.S., Um oh. I have been to Canada and Iceland, but um, that's the extent. Um, I have this weird thing about not wanting to waste my travel time on flights. So <laughs> I normally do my traveling through, like during my vac- vacation time at work, which is always, always limited.
1: Of course, yeah. Everybody has to consider the job they, they have to come back to, unfortunately. <laughs> But yeah, I get it. But hopefully one day you get to go exploring out of the country. However, America and the U.S. has a lot, a lot to offer. So can you tell me why you're passionate about traveling?
0: I think it gives you a perspective and the ability to meet people that you don't normally get to engage with. Um, like I uh, was in Idaho Idaho recently in a small town. So I was outside of the Sawtooth in early July and it was like a small town vibe, but everyone was super cool, really nice, just kind of what, what you would expect. Um, and just like, you don't always get that when you live in a big metro area like uh, Phoenix.
1: Yeah, actually it's so funny cause so I recently went to Wyoming and uh, I did a road trip from Salt Lake through, a little bit through Idaho, through Wyoming and all the way to Montana literally just two months ago in july mm-hmm. Or wait it's october now a few months ago.
0: <laughs> a few wait months ago. wait when were you when were you there because i did almost the exact same thing really yeah. i was
1: just there in ju- end of july through august
0: okay i flew into salt lake city at the end of june and then we did like wyoming for a few weeks and then glacier and then down to idaho oh my god so we might have been at the same place <laughs>
1: Probably I left out of Idaho, actually. So I did like a big L (laughs) upside down Mm. L, Um, (laughs) but I loved I loved it out there. The one place I didn't get to go to was Sawtooth, which I really really wanted to do. That was my that was part of it. But I had a broken metatarsal. I had a broken Mm. foot. (laughs) Oh, no. So I was like, I can't do Sawtooth right now because I can't even hike into where I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very limited. So next time I'm planning on doing it again and do some, a little bit more backpacking and and the backcountry. I think
0: that of my like Western US road trip that Idaho was the most surprising. And I would definitely consider moving to Boise. Boise? Yeah, you're like two and a half hours from Stanley. You're maybe six and a half hours from Mount Rainier. Like Uh. uh, like, maybe Visit Idaho wants to sponsor this (laughs) podcast.
1: Yeah, right. It was so funny because I I drove a little a little bit through Idaho as we were going up to Glacier and I just I was like oh my God Idaho is gorgeous so beautiful.
0: It was pristine.
1: pristine. It was
0: like the like the night skies when I did Wyoming two years ago they were pretty dark but I think that these were even darker. Wow. wow. Like the the Milky Way was just like completely visible with your eye and off of the water like it was wow. it was wild.
1: So what kind of travel do you like to do
0: uh road trips i i think they provide a humbling and unique perspective um and also you get to experience things a little bit slower and basically any place that you want to stop you can do so like if you just have like a like a like a little hidden gem off this side of the road those are available um Definitely like flying is easier, but I think just road trips like like running into the gas station, grabbing a, a million things. Yes. And then just driving. It's a very American style that I I think that we're that we have kind of perfected.
1: Yeah. Um road trips are one of my favorite things to do because you just you can like make a detour and it's okay. Mm-hmm. You could just go, "Ah, I kind of want to see this thing. I don't know what this is. Let's just go that way, you know, and it's kind of nice because you can't do that when you're flying, even though, yes, like flying, you get somewhere a lot faster. But something about road trips is just a favorite American pastime. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it's so much fun. And I, I get you completely. Do you like to go to hotels or do you like to camp?
0: Um, I try to camp more. Um. Car camping, yeah, yeah. C- car camping um, is normally what I do, um, but I think you always need a uh, at least one night a week in a in a hotel to to clean up and at least get Take a, a uh, good night's sleep. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I'm uh, I'm known to be very frugal when it comes to spending money, so uh, car camping is the way to go.
1: For sure, and it's nice, you know. There's <laughs> just. Like, hotels, obviously, it's nice, but there's something about waking up and looking at the stars, you know? Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. And, and like, I kind of think that after you've done it a while, you kind of have everything down to a science, and it's not so the only difficult – it's not even difficult, but it's just more time-consuming, like, to put up a tent, get everything out, versus, like, a hotel, you just walk in, you drop everything, and then you're kind of fine.
1: There's – A romance to building your tent and Mm -hmm. having your sleeping pad outside and looking up at the stars and building a fire to keep warm but then still being outside or cooking your food outside is Mm -hmm. just there's something i really love about it and i'm definitely uh much more of a fan of camping same because it's just such a special experience and it's just different you know hotel mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know
0: yeah it's not, like it's not my thing. <laughs> i uh when I was camping in Colorado we camped right right next to a like little uh, uh creek and it's like you don't get like the creek sounds in a hotel room it's yes. just, just like you it's- camping's undefeated.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and not only that, but like, you know, there's dangers, like what's out there, you know, there's like that, like, I don't know, what I like the danger element, I like the sounds of the crickets or like, the sound of nothing, you know, when you're in the desert, the sound of the wind, it's just like all of that being exposed to the elements and just being a part of it all it makes me feel the most grounded. It's a lot simpler, right? It puts mm-hmm. you right back to the simplicity of your human needs, you right. know what I mean? So like, uh you need to cook, you need a place to stay, like you're not thinking about a TV, you're just, you know, you're kind of trying to survive in a way. Yeah.
0: So uh so I have a pretty funny story about like the dangers. So uh uh I was camping <laughs> um we were camping at Island Lake up in the Colorado uh, San Juans, which is about like twelve thousand four hundred feet. Yeah. Um So we were, so we were going to sleep and then we just hear like a howl and we're like, wait, what? Like there should be nothing alive up here that could make that. And it wasn't a dog because there's nothing up there. We didn't bring a bear box or anything because nothing's supposed to be able to get up there. So we just had like all of our bags around the tent. And I was kind of freaking out. I was like, well, I don't want like a coyote or something sniffing uh, around, but luckily nothing happened. So, but it was just super weird.
1: You never found out what it was?
0: No, we moved to another, like the next night, but we didn't see anything. There wasn't anything like missing. So it was just, uh, it was just like a, like, like one howl. And I was like, what the hell is this?
1: Imagine if it's like some guy named Steve and he's like, let's freak these people out. And he's like, oh, (laughs) He's just like some dude in another tent site. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Just like nothing's supposed to be living here except for Steve who lives <laughs> right <up> here.
0: <laughs> That's amazing.
1: You also like to backpack, right?
0: Yeah, I love it. I think it stems from human instinct of you only have what you have with you. It really makes you prepare and kind of plan out what you want and kind of what how you expect things to go so you're going to have to plan for the the normal but also factor in potentially getting lost a weird rainstorm um what are you going to do if like you like an animal attack so it, it makes you kind of really really plan things out and you also get to go to like some really amazing places that you can't even get close to in a car. Like, I think like in Wyoming, we hiked 12 miles in to one of the most beautiful places I have ever been and it's like, you can't do that normally. And we saw maybe 10 people the entire trip. Wow. So it's just, it was really, really pristine and just lets you see things as they naturally are.
1: Where did you go in Wyoming?
0: Uh, so we did uh Tickcomb basin. The the wind river range yes. may be the greatest stretch of mountains that this country has.
1: I didn't get to do so I didn't get to do wind river and I didn't get to do Sawtooth. So next time I'm gonna be doing those two. Those are my my ultimate there's goals so much, when I go back.
0: There's so much up there and um it's a it's a slog though. It was we did a we did a 40 mile loop. So the first day was the first day was 12 miles and like the elevation gain isn't like the start to end elevation gain isn't that much. It might be like maybe 2000 feet, but you go through maybe five to six lake basins. So you're going up and down as they roll It's as a roller coaster. So it comes out to be like four to five thousand of elevation change and you're at nine to ten thousand feet and there's mosquitoes. I know it doesn't sound like it's great, but the end destination is great. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. I've gone to some amazing lakes here in the Sierras. Have you done the Sierras mm-hmm. yet?
0: Yeah, but not as much as I uh as I want to. I have a very long list of spots
1: yes. to do. <laughs> There's some pretty beautiful places in the Sierras and some of them, man, if you go in the wrong time of the year, it's like death mosquitoes. They're like, kill you. And they're just like 80 of them just come after you. One of them bit my eyelid. Like, oh no. Like who, what mosquito is like, you know what, I'm gonna eat your eyelid. Like that right. just be like a crazy, like, you know what I mean? They're like Navy seal mosquitoes. Right. Like, I'm just like, my God. And they bit through your like clothes. So like oh. you couldn't even stay out of your tent. They bit through your clothing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they're they're rough and they know how to work as one.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. What is the most challenging thing or situation you've faced as a backpacker or camping or traveling?
0: Doing Whitney was pretty challenging, just kind of factoring in, being less than four months out from chemo. And then there was still snow. So instead of taking up the 99 switchbacks, which is like the more standard route, we took the chute. So we walked up in the snow. It's about a thousand foot, and maybe like 800 foot climb at a pretty gnarly grade. And just like you take maybe four steps and then you have to break. So that was a pretty uh, like mentally grueling thing. Just being like, okay, don't look down, don't look down. (laughs)
1: That shoot is crazy. That shoot but, is nuts.
0: But we got to glissade down, so that was pretty sick. Like like a thousand foot.
1: <laughs> no, oh my god, I'd be terrified. I'd be terrified.
0: I definitely didn't like plan it out because I, I should have been wearing long sleeves. And there was a group in front of me that were like going really slow, so I like had to go pretty slow um, yeah. to not to not crash into in, into them. So like, I. I ripped up my elbow which 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 kind of sucked but it was still oh a pretty god. uh enlightening experience and I was like okay I gotta do this I who knows when I'll get to do it again
1: oh my god that was a heavy snow year too I think 2019 yeah yeah, like yeah.
0: they had a uh, yeah there was a ton of snow probably through the I bet there was snow there almost the entire season
1: yeah, I went up there in August, not this year, but lo- a while ago. But I had climbed up mm-hmm. there in August and there was snow. There was a snowstorm when I went in oh, August. God. Meanwhile, Death Valley was a hundred and like, <laughs> you know, of a hundred bajillion degrees mm-hmm. at <laughs> the bottom. And I'm up there and I'm like, down there, there's heat. Up here, it's freezing. Yeah. <laughs> like, what?
0: It's such a crazy, just like, uh, like, like zone where you can be at the highest and the lowest point in the continent yes. on the continent on the continental us
1: yes it's crazy and then it was so funny so i slept on top of snow and the following mm. day the snow was gone <laughs> 75 degrees oh my god it didn't make any sense
0: <laughs> Jeez. so uh you slept at choke camp
1: yep yep trail camp so i take a lot longer to get used to elevation like i need to like spend a lot more time than most i can't just like i can physically climb it but i my body can't my lungs can't catch up to my body and it's like the worst
0: what have you found that has helped you like navigate that other than just waiting
1: If somebody takes three days to, you know, or two days to get used to elevation, it'll take me four. I'm just double the amount of time, Mm -hmm. you know, so. um...
0: It's super weird how elevation like, like affects some people. I'm totally fine at it and I can just go up and be normal. And then there's others who are just as in good a shape as me, but they're just huffing it and puffing us. There's no rhyme or, or reason for it.
1: Yeah, I really, really, really struggle. Like when I climbed Mount Whitney, I was 100% ready. I had climbed Mount Baldy the week before I was mm-hmm. like training and training, but, and then I also like camped in the the mountain right next door that you kind of, mm-hmm. people get used to the elevation there. So I did that, didn't work. Still got sick <laughs> after trail crest, still got sick. Still oh, was like, dear Lord, help me.
0: And that is the longest mile in the entire oh, world, that is the.
1: I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> like, I uh, was like.
0: <laughs> like where, uh, where you can drop down to the PCT or like or continue, and it's like one mile. I was like, oh great, this will take me like maybe twenty five minutes because I can walk twenty minutes in one mile. No. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, wait, this is like another hour.
1: <laughs> death mile. It's called what I called the death mile. Yeah. It's literally where everybody just goes. Uh, And they sit down and it was me like, Mm -hmm. I remember having my head in my hands and then people were like, are you okay? And I didn't have the (laughs) energy to respond. So I just like nod my head. I'd be like, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to survive. And when I got to the top of it, I literally spent only five minutes there. That was my max. I signed the register and then I remembered I have to take this photo. So then I turned around and I was just uh, smiled and then i was like i gotta go <laughs> and i was like i gotta Damn. get down and they were like are you not gonna put your head over the cliffside or even look and i was like i don't care i'm like i need to get off i need to get down and so that's i like
0: crazy. started
1: descending before anybody else because i just couldn't handle the oh, elevation wow.
0: that's such a bummer like i think that i <laughs> i think i made i definitely called my my dad i think i facetimed <gasps> another friend um
1: you did all this stuff i was like off bye <laughs>
0: I mean, we had a bluebird day, so like it was beautiful out. We had no reason like to get down, and yeah. I was like, "I'm gonna draw the hell out of this." Oh well, yeah! <laughs> it just took me. I think I started at two a.m. and I got up at oh like just before one p.m. So what, it was like a nine or ten hour ordeal, wow. wow, or maybe eleven. I don't know in that range, but I was like, "I need to need I need I need to rest." <laughs> wow,
1: I can't believe you did it in a day. I. <laughs> I don't know how you did that.
0: I only got the permit two days before. I had been looking. I think on the Tuesday it showed up and I walked in, into like, my <laughs> boss's. Yeah, like I walked into my boss's office. I was like, hey, uh I'm I'm not gonna be here tomorrow. I'm driving to California. She's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then and then I someone did <laughs> two days later.
1: Holy crap. See, I can't do that. I got a train. I got a train. <laughs> so what inspired you to kind of pursue this kind of lifestyle
0: um i love standing on top of things i think it's the male (laughs) stupidity in me (laughs) um like i think that being able just like to say that you like stood on top of a mountain or you were able to go backpack i think it just gives you a lot of life lessons in a in like a very compact kind of issue um i think it makes you a just a i don't want to say a more well-rounded person but it definitely just shows you different areas yeah okay (laughs) i think
1: it does i think it does because it it's you got to survive right Mm -hmm. it brings you down to your basic human instincts which is exactly
0: (laughs) and it just it just makes you like have to and I've also really realized that the people who you with you get so close to when you're out there, like you're not on your phones, you're talking about maybe not like super in depth things, but you're talking about real issues about like getting to know each other, debating different topics that matter. And you just like really get to know a person more than just Kind of what we do in the normal life of oh like how's work how's the girlfriend right do anything fun well i drank this this weekend it's like you go a little bit deeper
1: yeah and we're not distracted Mm -hmm. with whatever you know your phone your tv you you have no option but to just a 100% 100% trust one another because mm-hmm. you're in a, a circumstance like climbing Mount Whitney. You, you got to trust the people around you because if anything goes wrong, they're the ones that are going to save you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then just, you know, again, like going down to your basic human instincts of like trying to get through this mountain, walking your way off this mountain, mm-hmm. feeding yourself on this mountain, you know, um, and and if you're camping in it, providing yourself some shelter. Right. So uh, definitely, I think it kind of makes you get down to the roots of where we used to be before Mm -hmm. all of it, you know? Yep. (laughs) Where humans used to be before we all got distracted. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So you really love photography. Why'd you start doing it? Tell me about that, journey.
0: So I got my camera and my lens off of Craigslist from somebody who just decided they wanted to switch to video and they just kind of had to get rid of it. So I got a super professional, just set up for pennies on the dollar.
1: Oh my God. And
0: I didn't really know what I was going into. I just drove up to Flagstaff. I was like, here's the money. I'm just gonna really pray that this worked out. And it did. Um, But kind of stepping back, I knew that I wanted to do a lot of adventuring that year I had a by lined up, I had a trip into the Pacific Northwest lined up and I was like, well, I really want to document this. I want to be able to show my children and my grandchildren that their dad and that their grandpa wasn't just some old, old lazy dude that did nothing. I wanted to be like, hey, like I actually was slightly cool. Yeah, I was cool. <laughs> And just kind of whenever anybody reaches out and they're like hey like we really love it and it like it us fun to go out there it just makes my heart swell
1: you also have a travel blog why did you start this travel blog and what are your goals with it
0: yeah um so i started it as just a way to write about my adventures um i think most of maybe just so my mom and dad and my like extended family can can see what I am up to. And then um, and then it kind of was a way to uh, update everyone on kind of my cancer treatment and kind of the life cycle of that process. If I'm going to all of these places, I can help educate people on where to go, how to do it safely, and just kind of give them a resource of a person who's on the ground for some reason two to three thousand people a, a month decide to show up and i'm like this is really weird <laughs>
1: people love your stuff
0: i i, I guess
1: <laughs> that's amazing that you're getting that many people like that much traffic of just like you know trying to find out information through your blog because i mean yeah it's very informative and really helpful so if anybody is looking for some information, really good tips. Go to Alex's blog. Can you tell us what his, what your what your blog's name is?
0: Yeah, it's com. Super easy. There's no one else like it on the interwebs.
1: <laughs> interwebs. <laughs> which are your favorite places that you've traveled to and why?
0: Definitely Canada, which will surprise no one. On the Banff area. There's not words to describe how awesome it is but then i'd also say wyoming you got yellowstone you have the national parks which are going to draw everybody and they're great but the backcountry is i think what sets it apart like you have the, the wind the river range but then also in the northeast quadrant are the bighorn mountains which i've never never been to but they look amazing and they're on the top of my my list for next year
1: what are your tips and tricks for your favorite locations that you mentioned you said Banff and wyoming
0: so when i did Banff, i did hostels i think it's kind of a a foreign concept to americans but hostels in other countries are actually really great and like not just these run down crazy drug places like we for some reason have the hostels in banff and lake louise are just wonderful actually the one in banff has a uh, bar in their basement and they had karaoke on our last night we got a little toasty and uh, had a great time
1: <laughs> so highly recommend hostels especially the hostel with the bar
0: <laughs> yes
1: you remember the
0: name? It was just the BAMP Hostel International, the Grand Tetons. There's a hostel in Teton Village. So the normal rates around there are a few hundred bucks a night. Um, When I went backpacking two years ago, we got three guys into a room for 120 bucks a night. So it came out to be like 40 each, which is a steal and you're... You're 20 minutes from jenny lake and it's a great location i would definitely just recommend when you're when you're traveling just to look at all of the options and there's always going to be a great spot that that like i don't believe that more money means better quality
1: right i agree i agree that's that's good to know about the hostels i had, had no idea about the hostels in uh in teton village
0: don't know how i found it and then we actually got one this most recent year because it was uh back in early july because it was raining so and we didn't want to camp yeah so my brother and i got a king size bed for like a hundred bucks a night on a holiday weekend wow it was incredible wow. just reach out to locals go to instagram see who knows things that are around there and just ask them for good uh restaurants for some hidden gems they might not tell you the most hidden hidden gems but they'll but like if you like can show that you're like actually wanting to go experience it they're going to be more more open to divulging that and then maybe you can even meet a new friend there and they can go travel and like and go adventure with you
1: and any advice for anyone who's going through a similar journey
0: on the of on the personal side nobody wants to be a burden and having cancer can kind of be a burden on everybody while not really being one but it's like you like you have to have people look out after you a a little bit more people are going to worry and just kind of understanding that you're not a burden but just people love you and they want to know how you are is a weird mindset for someone who like for me, I don't always need to be the center of attention and having cancer, you are definitely the center of attention, just to always listen to to your doctors. They have your best interests at heart. And then for like the outdoors uh, angle, just try to stay active. I found that being active was able to both help me Physically, but also mentally and just to clear my head and it also allowed me to forget kind of everything that else that was going on for a little bit. And I think just that break was really key in helping me get through every day. I don't know, everybody kind of their own journey on it and whatever can make you get to the next day, then you just have to do it.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Tell me your most meaningful person you've met on your travels.
0: Ooh, this is a this is a this is a good one. Um, so uh, this was two weeks after I was cancer-free. Uh, my buddy and I went to Northern Arizona. We did a lesser-known hike into the Grand Canyon from the Indian Res. I'm not going to say the the name just because I don't want to blow it up. However, um, this guy was walking across the the U.S. and this was the route that he was going. He like went down into the Grand Canyon from another side on the on the north and was walking up up it. Um, so we were going down when we passed him, and then on the way up, he kind of was struggling with just this one kind of climb that he wasn't really exactly sure which way to go. So we ended up just inviting him to come eat with us, uh, give him like a hot meal, some alcohol. We just kind of like like talked all night and he ended up walking across the entire U.S. He has a YouTube video, ilikemike.com. And now he's walking now north to south across the U.S. It was just like really great to meet him and now we talk every once in a while and uh just like one of those just weird experiences.
1: Do you have a favorite or fulfilling moment during any of your travels?
0: Like I want to say Iceland because I'd never been outside of like the, outside of North America, which was a really great experience, but I feel like rim to rim would have been the fulfilling experience because it was Two months from my last chemo and the, during radiation and just to show myself that I could do this and that I was back was a pretty satisfying moment for me.
1: Do you have an interesting story? Any interesting like stories on the room or maybe Iceland?
0: So Iceland, they do this thing where you, uh, you eat a piece of shark, which is full of ammonium or something super acidic. And then you take a shot afterwards. Like who came up with this? They had that all over the place. But the weirdest part is that they have a bar dedicated to the movie, The Big Lebowski. It's a full bar just about The Big Lebowski. And they only serve um, white Russians, but like the expansive list of them, we're in Iceland and then we're getting the big Lebowski, which like, isn't even like that, like well known of a movie, like to everybody, but to Icelandic people, I guess it is. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so the shark is on a toothpick. So you're supposed to chew. So I believe that you had to chew it for like like five to eight seconds. It was squishy. I mean, it's like eating like more rubberized uh, fish, I guess just so you're supposed to chew it and then let the taste come out like the ammonium and then you take the shot like to get it away
1: is there a piece of life advice you can give to a younger alec
0: i would say be okay being vulnerable and trying new things and being okay if they don't work out um definitely nothing in my life has worked out in the last like okay a lot of things have definitely worked out. A lot of things have not worked out. Like I've been laid off twice and I got, and I got cancer and I got broken up with. So like, so like it's been a weird last 18 months, but like, we're really, we're really pushing through.
1: (laughs) Where can we find you?
0: So you can find me on Instagram at Alec outside Facebook. It's explore with Alec is the URL is Alex Silstrauch Photography. You can find my work, my writing work at explorewithalec.com.
1: That's awesome. So explore with Alec and Alec is spelled A-L-E-C everyone.
0: <laughs> yes. Just like Alec Baldwin.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. Well, I am just so glad that I get to meet you and to hear your story. Thank you for being such an inspiration. I love, love your work. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you. This was a wonderful uh, opportunity and you're my first podcast. So I think that this went really well.
1: Thank you so much, Alec, for joining me on the Roaming the Earth podcast, stories and adventures of people who are jet setters, nomads, and explorers. This is Drea Castro signing off. Join us again next time. Stay wild. If you're interested in hearing more stories from around the globe, don't forget to subscribe. Share it to your friends. And follow me on Instagram on I'm Roaming the Earth.